God is sitting on his throne, anticipating another sinner will soon become his own. Years of wasted living and years of toil and strife are just about to be over as he receives the gift of life. The Holy Spirit has been working to soften up a heart. All he needs is a willing servant to simply do his part. Can you imagine up in heaven the joy there is that day? As the sinner bows his head to pray, can you hear the Father say, Mike? All right, you come on up, brother. Glad to have Brother Autry with us again tonight, and uh, we'll see what the Lord has for us. Again, it's part two, if I'm not mistaken. Part two. Part two, all right? Here you go. Glad you came back. I think it's on. It's on? It's on now. Well, amen. I enjoyed that uh, presentation tonight. Amen. Reminds me when I was his age. Yes. Sounded like my presentation. Same one. Same one. It's good. It's good. Uh, today I, I, I walked some and worked out some. And, and then I remembered that 
last night when I was coming into the church, uh, I was coming across those steps over there, Pastor. I forgot that there was even steps there. <laughs> and I almost fell right there <laughs> last night. And my knee started telling me uh, that I had, uh, I guess I had done something to it a little bit. So uh, uh, I, was, I was working out this morning. I said, okay, enough of that. We'll just go to the weights. <laughs> so I started working my arms out. <laughs> but anyway, so if I don't go up and down those steps tonight, it'll be because of that. But anyway, remember last night we... We talked about the missionary heart. We found that Paul was a great example. And so we want to pick up there tonight and, uh, and listen, we're going to go a little different direction now. Because last night we talked about Paul's heart toward the work. He had a great heart toward the work. He found, remember, he, he came in to the city in Acts chapter 16. He's praying for, for uh, something to happen and they found Lydia. Wow. And had in the first conversion with Lydia, uh, uh, she was a businesswoman, and she just took on the project. Amen. Amen. She just took it on. She said, "Hey, Paul, I can bring you in the house, take care of you." And then they went down the river and prayed again, and they found the young girl. Remember, and uh, she she was following around, and she was proclaiming who they were, and that they had the message of salvation, and uh, and and eventually she got saved, and. Uh, but after she got saved, uh, they got into a little problem. And, and we found that as we looked at that, it wasn't really a problem. It was a great thing because God was at work. And, and, and God knew the next place. He didn't send Paul down to the river the next time he sent Paul to the prison. <laughs> Put him right in the middle with all the criminals. Locked him in there so he couldn't get out. And uh, Paul... Paul said, I, I, know, I know why we're here. And remember, they started, to, they started to pray. Just I thought many times about that prayer. You know, that, that prayer had to be full of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ and how glorious his death on the cross was and, and, and how he struck Paul down, no doubt, off that, off that donkey or that horse. And, and, and brought him to his side. And, and then they began to sing praises. You'd think after all that beating and everything they had, they'd been complaining and, uh, and frustrated and wanting to give up and, and what, not wanting to continue forward and, 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 and do anything. But no, not Paul and Silas. Well, they're singing and they're praising God. They're all excited. And they said, we're here for a reason. And we're, the reason we're here is that, that these men, these men who may... Uh, may not have a chance if we don't give them the gospel. They'll get the gospel. And, uh, and so they, they sung their way out of that prison. Amen. <laughs> they praised God out of that prison. And, and God converted the whole prison. Remember? Because the prisoners hurt them. And, and then when they could escape, they didn't. They hung around. They wanted to be close to Paul. Paul done told them the truth. They want to stay close to Paul. And so they all stayed there. And so we saw that Paul had... A great heart for the work. And he had a great attitude toward uh, whatever it took to get the work done. And, and we found that, you know, in, in Philippians, and we're going to read that verse now. Philippians, turn in your Bible, Philippians chapter 2. We found that, that Paul had, he had the right mind. He had the right mind. That's why he had a good attitude that's why he had the right work ethic. 
because he had the right mind. It says there in verse 5, let's read it and then we'll pray. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. Lord, help us. Help us to help us as we stretch out each day and we carry out your business, Lord. And we do the work you've given us. To help us to stay focused. Help us not to allow the, the troubles of this world to confuse us or to, to restrain us from doing what we should be doing. Help us to find joy in every moment uh, of every day of this life. Help us to see the goodness of, of your will and your gospel in our footsteps. Help us, Lord. Guide us to those that will receive you and help us to share the gospel to bring them to that saving knowledge so that they could be our brothers and sisters in heaven one day. We thank you for all things in Jesus' name. So tonight I want to talk to you about another, another thought. Last night we talked about uh, Paul's heart toward the work. And tonight I want to talk to you about Paul's heart toward the believer. <clears throat> Paul's heart toward the believer. Now if we are working, there's going to be fruit. And there's going to be things happening. People are going to get saved. And uh, <clears throat> just as our brother was sharing tonight, you know, you gotta, you got to get the gospel to them. You got to get them saved. After you get them saved, is that where it stops? No, it doesn't stop there. Uh, it's, it's a process. It, it, it goes on and on and on. So after you get them saved, the next step is you got to start disciple them. You got to help them get close to, 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 to a better understanding of what, what God expects from them. And uh, he mentioned the, uh, starting a, a Bible institute. And that, that's what we did. We, we went to the Dominican Republic. Uh, we won people to Christ. We started Bible Institute. And, and some 31 years later, uh, 67 uh, churches throughout the island, all trained at Resurrection Baptist Seminary. Because there's a process. There's a process. And, and every, every believer has a part in the process. And so Paul's sitting here, and we find him in the book of Philippians. He's writing back to the church he planted with those people. Years have gone by. I'm not sure how many years have gone by, but some years have gone by now. And where do you think Paul is? Where's Paul when he's writing the book of Philippians? Anybody know? Let's see if anybody knows. Prison, where at? Rome. Wow, very good. Paul, is in, he's in prison again. <laughs> he got out of prison. He went, he went out. He kept starting churches. He kept doing the work of God. But now he finds himself again. Now he's in prison again. And now he can't, he can't go where he'd like to go anymore because he's stuck. But he's in prison again. And that's very important that you remember that. Paul is in prison again, and now he's writing a letter to the Philippian church. And, and in this letter, he's sharing some things with them. And what he is sharing with them is, is what, what, he, what his heart is toward those believers that he has brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and what, his, what his concerns are, and, and, and what his desires are for them. And so we have, we have Paul here, he's in, he's in a Roman prison, and he's writing back, and he's, he has some things he wants to say to the Philippian church. 
And, and we're going to talk, we're going to be in that, that tonight, but then tomorrow night, we're going to be in Philippians as well. Because I tell you, if you're a missionary, and if, 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 you, if, if you want to see things done in, in planting churches, uh, boy, I tell you, Philippians is a great book to study. And so let's look at this. Let's look at what was Paul's heart, what was Paul's mind toward the believers at the church uh, in Philippi. What did he think? What was he desiring that they knew? What did he write from Rome to them? Let's go to uh, verse 3 in chapter 1. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. So Paul is in prison. He's writing to them. He said, he said I'm here in prison and I'm thanking God. Every, every time I think of you, every time I think of your church, he said, I just am thanking God. I'm, I'm just so grateful of all that I can remember. He goes on in verse 4. And he says in verse 4, he says, Always in every prayer of mine for you, uh, all making requests with joy. He said, he said when, 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 I'm, when I'm praying, I am interceding on your behalf with the Lord. He said, I'm making requests to the Lord about you. And then in verse 5, he says there, he says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. He said, he said, from the day I stepped into Philippi and I shared the gospel and Lydia got saved. And, and then uh, we went on and we, got, we met the young lady and she got saved. And, and then they beat us up and they threw us in jail and, and we got inside that prison and and God saved all the prisoners and the jailer all at one time. Saved them all. He said, I, I just, he said I'm just uh, in great fellowship with you guys from the first day, even unto now, being in jail. And then in, in, verse, in verse 6, he says, what a great verse. He can't do anything really about it anymore as far as helping them. He's stuck. He's not going anywhere. He's not getting out. And he says to them, being confident of this very thing, that he which have begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. That is what you and I want to see out of those people we bring to the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we want to see them growing, prospering, uh, getting more and more uh, strength in the things of God. Uh, <laughs> if, if I have somebody uh, uh, leading people to the Lord all the time and I never see them in church, I wonder if they, they're saved. I mean, when I got saved, I, I came to church. I, you didn't have to beg me to come to church. I came to church. You didn't have to worry about, listen, Georgia, Georgia, which is, which is my favorite football team, by the way, they could, have been, they could have been playing the national championship. But if they held that on a, on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening, I wasn't going to watch the game during that service. I'll watch it later. <laughs> we tape it and watch it later. Amen? I won't listen to anybody. Don't talk to me. I don't want to hear no scores. I don't want to hear anything. Just after, after I get done, I go and I sit down and I enjoy it. Amen? I think about what Paul was saying here about all these people. He was talking to all these people about what? 
and what was about what they meant to him. And, and so Paul, the first thing that we see here was Paul's heart, his mind toward the believers was that they had a changed life. That they had a changed life. In other words, there was evidence to prove beyond any shout of a doubt that they had been changed. When we lead someone to the Lord, we should want to see out of them that they demonstrate a changed life. And if they don't demonstrate a changed life, our work has not started yet. Because until we know that they have a changed life, we should be trying to win them to Jesus. And when their life changed, then we disciple them. Then we take them to the next level. I think about a young girl, one of our first ministries. We were having a revival meeting, and we were going out every night and, and visiting before church, and we were inviting people to come. And this young lady, 13 years old, came to church, and she got saved. Her name was Louisa. She's 13 years old. Boy, Louisa, when that girl got saved, I mean, <laughs> you knew she got saved. I mean, anything and everything that went on, she was right there. And if she, she would ask you, what can I do to help? How can I, how can I be involved to help with Can I work with the kids? Can, 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 do you need someone to help watch the baby? I mean, she was there, 13 years old. 13 years old. And uh, I remember uh, one night, uh, I noticed that her and her family wasn't there. And uh, then, next week, noticed they weren't there. What happened to Louisa and her family? Went by there. Back then, uh, nobody had phones. All the people didn't have phones. It was a very poor neighborhood. It was like a maze. And, and I, I had, I had a, about a, about a six-block square area where the church was. And there was over 200,000 people in that six-block square area. <laughs> Most of them didn't have phones. They were very poor. And, I mean, it was, it was packed. And, and I, would go, I would go on Sundays, and I would visit the entire neighborhood during about three hours every Sunday. Wouldn't you like to be able to do that, Pastor? Just go to one place, and you could walk to every single member of your church and say, uh, hey, uh, look forward to seeing you on Sunday. And then when they said, si Dios quiere, you could say, well, sure God wants you to come to church. You know, Dios quiere means if God wants me to. They say that to me all the time. I say, I say, don't, don't blame God if you don't come to church. Don't, don't tell me if see Dios quiere. God wants you to come to church. So if you tell me see Dios quiere, you will be there on Sunday morning. You'll be there on Sunday night. You'll be there on Wednesday night. So don't be telling me if God wants you to, because God wants you to come. So don't be telling me if God wants you to. They stop using that phrase around me. I went over to her house, and, and there they were, 
And I walked in. I said, I said, hey, oh, we hadn't seen y'all. And I'm sort of worried about you guys. What's going on? And, and the mother and father said, well, Pastor, we, we actually were coming to see you in the morning to talk to you because we found out that Louisa has uh, a very bad cancer in the liver. And the doctor says there's no treatment and there's nothing can be done. And I said, not, I said well, we need, we need to start praying. We prayed, we prayed, and, and, and Louisa, Louisa was sick. We could see it. And, and, she, and she was just getting worse and worse. Then uh, I didn't see her for service. And I, I went over to the house. I said, uh, Sister, what's going on? Is Louisa getting worse? What's happening? She said, well, uh, I'll let her tell you, Pastor. So she got her. She came in and she said, she said Pastor, I'm so sorry. I miss church. I'm so sorry I miss church. I get I get sick when it's hot. And she said, but I was thinking, Pastor, if I had a fan that I could just put in front of me and cut that fan on when I start feeling sick, I could be at church every service if I could just have a fan. Could, could, could I bring my fan to church? I said, no, Louisa, you don't need to bring a fan to church because I said, I'm going to go get you a fan. And we're going to put it right there where you sit. We're going to plug it in. And nobody will touch it. It'll be your fan. Thirteen-year-old girl. Apologizing for missing church because she's sick. She just wants a fan so she can be there. I remember I had, go, I had to go on a trip, and I had left. And uh, the father told me, he said, Pastor, I'm afraid that she might not be here when you get back. I said, well, let's just pray. You know, I have to go on this trip. I have to leave. But let's just pray that she'll be okay. Well, I'll never forget the call. Came on a Saturday, Saturday afternoon. I was in the States my wife she said uh, I just want to let you know Louisa passed away today I remember feeling like somebody stabbed me in the heart such a young very serious Christian young lady I said well I just don't understand just don't understand she said well let me tell you something she said, Louisa got up this morning and she took a bath and she told her mother that she wasn't hungry, that she was going to lay on the couch. And she said, while she was laying on the couch, she called her mother and asked her, would she come and sing a song to her? This is the song that Louisa wanted her mother to sing to her. Face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ who died for me. Only faintly now I see him with a darkling veil between. 
For the blessed day is coming when his glory shall be seen. What rejoicing in his presence when are banished grief and pain, when the crooked ways are straightened and the dark things shall be plain. Face to face, oh blissful moment, face to face to see and know, face to face with my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who loved me so. Face to face I shall behold him, shall far beyond the starry sky, face to face in all his glory, I shall see him by and by. I remember thinking many days about that song. And I remember thinking, Lord, could I have just a little bit of what Louisa had? Could I, could I be more like a 13-year-old girl? Would you help me to be like Louisa? Those are memories that I have. People like Louisa. What a joy. One day he is coming. One day, one day I will see Louisa again. One day I will see Sisters and brothers, many have gone. Narcissal, many ones who have loved and seen save, serve the Lord, and pass on. What a day. Unless it's a good song, what a day it shall be. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. What, what do we want to see in the believers? I couldn't ask for more than to see someone like Louisa in our ministry and others who have gone on. Paul is letting them know that he has great joy in prison knowing he's never going to leave. He has great joy in all those that have come to know Jesus Christ through all the churches he plants. One day, one day, as years goes by, you look back and you think about this one and you think about that one and you think about this one and you remember Philippians chapter 1 and you find yourself like Paul rejoicing at all those that have come to know Jesus in your work. The second thing I want you to see about Paul's heart and mind toward the believer is starts in verse 27. The second thing I want you to see is not only did he have great joy that lives were changed, but he also warns them. He also continues to protect them, to help them. Look at what it says. Uh, I want you to think about this thought while, while I'm reading some verses. Stand fast and be fearless unto the end. Paul charges them. He says, hey, I'm not going to come back. I'm probably not coming back. I probably can't get there. 
but I want you to stand fast and be fearless unto the end. Look at verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becoming the gospel of Christ. He said, he said make sure, make sure as you walk through this life and, and all that you stay on that, you stay on the path. Don't get off the path. Keep, keep your testimony. Keep your testimony. Stay on the path. Keep everything on that straight and narrow way. And then he says, he says, he says it, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Paul said, I want to hear good things about you. I want to hear good things. I want to know that you're still on that path. I want to know that you're still growing. I want to know that you're still ser- seeking to serve and save, uh, serve the Lord and see others saved and come to know to Jesus, Jesus as their personal Savior. He said, stay on the path. That ye may stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He said, he said we have a cause, and the cause is that mind that is in Christ Jesus. That's what he's saying to him. He's saying, keep the mind of Jesus. Uh, work together. Do not squabble. Do not, do not find fault with one another. Uh, help one another. Uh, uh, find uh, others to be more important than your own desires. That's what he's saying to him. He's saying, stand in one spirit. Stand fast in one spirit. One mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. In verse 28 he says, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Do you realize we have a great enemy, right? <laughs> he, he is strong. He, he's always looking to discourage and cause problems and to, to bring us down and to keep us from doing what we should be doing. That He lives for that. I remember... I remember uh, we had moved into the, the property and we had done all kinds of changes in our first property. And uh, uh, we had everything going and we rented a big tent. We had our first meeting pastor. And boy, we, we, we were working that neighborhood and it was a, it was a pretty, pretty high class neighborhood. And uh, first day, first Sunday, we had over 200 come to church. Now, this was our first day starting a church, amen? <laughs> so that's a good day when you have 200 come. But, but we, did, we did, I have to be honest, we, did temp, we tempted them with a roasted pig. <laughs> so you want to bring a bunch of people in, you just have a big old roasted pig, and you put it on a big flyer with a picture of it, and, and then you hand it out and say, we're having a roasted pig, and we're having a meal after church. Come. You know how many people got saved that day? 28. 28 people got saved. Some of those people are still in our church today. Uh, We had a big meal. 28 people got saved. You know how much it cost us to get that property ready for that first day and get all of our building ready for the weeks and months to come? Almost $30,000. Almost $30,000. And uh, the next day, we're in, I was in my office, and, and uh, I was sitting there, and we were working on some things, and I got a knock on my door. It was a secretary. And she walked in, she said, Pastor, a bunch of people just pulled up on the lot. I said, oh, 
great. She said, it's not great. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, it's army. Army people with army trucks, and they have guns. I said, really? She said, yes, they have guns, and they got them out, too. I said, really? I said, where are they at? She said, they want to see you. I said, me? <laughs> I haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> I said, what do they want to see me for? She said, I don't know. I said, well, bring them back here. So she brought them in. Guy comes in, he lays a paper right in front of me. He says, we're here to take everything on the property. And we're going to lock it up. I said, really? I said, first of all, I said, do you do realize I don't have a gun? Because they had M16s and they had their 9mm pistols out. I noticed that one of the 9mm pistols was caught. And I'm thinking, okay, if he gets clumsy, somebody's dying in here. So, you know, I say, you know, there's no gun in here. So, you know, you don't need all these guns. He told him to put it up. I said, why would you want to come and take all of our stuff? He said, well, there's been a complaint filed against the church here. I said, a complaint? I said, we've only had one church service. How could we already have a complaint? I said, that was just yesterday. He said, well, you got a complaint. And I said, what's the complaint? He said, well, uh, the complaint is that you have set up an operation to look like a church here and that you are selling exotic animals. Animal. I said, are you, I, said, are you, I said, are you serious? He said, yes, I'm serious. I said, did you see any exotic animals? He said, no, but that's what the complaint says. I said, have you searched? He said, we're searching now. I said, okay, good. I said, now when you get back there searching, I said, there's only, there's a Wattweiler back there that I got locked up. And I said, he's my dog. And I can tell you right now, he weighs about 150 pounds. And if you mess with him, he will bite you. And they said, okay. So they, they found the Wattwater, and nobody went in there. There was no searching going on in there. Should have had him in my office, amen. But anyway, that's, sometimes he would sit beside my desk and guard me. He wasn't there that day. But anyway, they searched. No exotic animals. I said, exactly what kind of exotic animals are you looking for? He said, well, it says here you have goats. I don't know goats here. I didn't know a goat was an exotic animal, did you, brother? <laughs> and I'm thinking, what in the world? And uh, some birds and things. And I said, this is crazy. I said, uh, before you start loading up my stuff, I said, let me make a phone call. I called over to the president's office, and I knew one of the ladies, she was a Christian over there, that worked in the president's office. And, and I called her, and I said, sister, you are never going to believe what's going on over here. I said, I said the military's here, and they're saying they're going to take all of our stuff and load it up on trucks and take it off. And they're going to put a chain on the door so we can't get in. She said, what? I said, yeah. She said, let me talk to him. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something. The one thing you do not do is you do not mess with a Dominican woman when she's upset. <laughs> not recommended. Oh, I could hear her, but I don't even know what all she, she was talking so fast and she was letting him have it and he was, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And when she got done with him, he said, she wants to talk to you. And she said, they're leaving. I said, good. <laughs> I'm glad they're leaving. I said, are they taking my stuff? She said, no. 
I said, are they putting a chain on the door? She said, yes. I said, tell me what's going on. She said, the, the guy across the street goes to the big Catholic church up there on the corner. And they decided they're going to shut you down. And she said, you can fight it all day long, but you ain't never going to win this battle. When I, when I went out, there was already big, huge banners across the street. I mean, big, huge banners that said, Rechazar, Iglesia Batista Nueva Vida. So they, they kick out New Life Baptist Church, you know, these big old banners, two of them. Do you know what? We, we, we had to leave. We met my, my house for a couple of weeks, but we had to leave. And, and God, God showed us four blocks from where we were at, a bigger house, more equipped and more ready for what we needed to do for less money. And somebody said to me one day, they said, well, Brother Autry, what about that $30,000 down the drain? I said, really? I said, listen, I said, that's God's price for those 28 souls that got saved. I said, $30,000 was cheap. I said, I said, $30,000 for 28 souls, that was God's price. It's not wasted. It's not down the drain. Can you put a price on a soul? You know, we can't be terrified. The, the adversary is going to be against us. The adversary is going to fight us. The adversary is going to try to keep us from doing what we're supposed to be doing. And, and Paul said, don't be, ter- don't be terrified. Do not be afraid of your adversary. Look at verse 29. He says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Also to suffer for, you know something? We need to realize in our life as a Christian that, that sometimes we might have to suffer. And suffering is not a bad thing. Uh, we need to embrace that. Because uh, usually when they're suffering, there's something good just around the corner. Uh, God's doing something, and, and something great's fixing to happen. And so when things come apart, and things get difficult... And you think, well, what am I going to do? Or how am I going to get through this? Don't worry, God will get you through it. Because he already knows what's happening at the end. And we have to believe. We have to believe that he wants us to have good things. And that he wants us to be who he designed us to be. And whatever it takes to get us to the place where he needs us to be. We need to embrace it. We need to accept it. We need to hang on to it. Suffering is not bad. He said, it's not only given for us to, to have Jesus Christ, to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. I wonder if, if we're willing to go to that level in our commitments. That we can say, Lord, I understand that part of being a Christian means that I may suffer some things that I do not want to suffer. But I realize you mean it for the good, and I accept it. 
I wonder if we're able to get to this level. Paul's challenging them. He's, he's saying to them, be at this level. I, I probably will not make it back. I probably cannot come back and spend time with you and encourage you uh, more, but, but I need you to know that you're, you're ready. You're ready. You can stand. In, in Philippians 4.1, it says, Therefore, my brother, brethren, de- uh, dearly beloved, long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Paul loved that church. Paul, Paul would have given anything to get back over there just to spend a month with them. But he said, listen, it's probably not going to happen. And I need you to I need you to read and take to heart what I have to say to you. Keep pressing forward. And the last thing I want us to see quickly about Paul, about his heart toward the believers, is he didn't want them to feel sorry for him. He didn't want them to feel sorry for him. He's in jail again. He was in jail when he started with them. He's in jail again. He didn't want to, he, he's been through some things. Remember? He, 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 he's been shipwrecked several times. He's been beaten several times. He's been stoned several times. Uh, he's been in prison several times. He's gone through a lot. And, and he doesn't want him to feel sorry for him. We find that in Philippians 1.12. He says, But I would, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Paul, Paul said, listen, yes, there has been trouble. Yes, there has been many difficulties. Yes, I'm in prison again. But I, I want you to understand something. I, I hold nothing in my heart or mind against uh, uh, Philippi people that put me in jail. I have nothing against the people that have sent me to Rome because at the end of the day, it's for the furtherance of the gospel. He said, I'm willing to, to, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing, I'm willing to go through what i got to go through to continue the process to bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he says in verse 13. So that so that my bonds in Christ are manifested. He said, he said, listen, when I'm in jail, things get manifested very quickly. He said, my bonds in Christ are manifested. In all the palace and in all other places. He said, he said everywhere I've been in the palace and all the places around the palace. He said, people are getting saved. He said, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. He said, people are getting saved. And he says in verse 14, he says, and many, many of the brethren. So he, that, he's saying they've gotten saved. He says, many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He said, he said listen, you just wait. You're going to hear about the church in Rome pretty soon because because." I'm getting it going. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on it. People are getting saved. Lives are getting changed. I have a reason for being here. And the reason is, is because God's using me to share His Word and His message.
in another extreme situation. Facing death, in death I will talk about Jesus. That's what he's saying. I will spread the word until I can't do it anymore. I will lift up Jesus. I will suffer. I will sacrifice for the furtherance of the gospel. I wonder, I wonder in our lives as Christians uh, how important it is to us. We should ask ourselves this question. How important is it to me that the things I do in this life bring a furtherance, a outreach, a strong witness, a life-changing experience for others? How far am I pushing the gospel? Paul said, it's all. He said, he said, don't feel bad for me. It's all for the furtherance of the gospel. He said, I'll go to jail. I'll, I'll, I'll leave here if they let me out of here. And if God wants to send me to jail again, I'll go to jail again. If I need to get shipwrecked again to be able to witness to the sellers, I'll get shipwrecked again. Whatever, whatever it takes, Paul said, I'm, I'm up to the task. This is what he wanted. He wanted the believers to, to know from him. What, what is our desire in life as a Christian? Uh, do we want to work? Many people are already working. Many people are already doing things to make sure the gospel's getting out right here at this church. I see it. I was out there with them. I know. Bus ministry. Uh, can we do more? Can we reach a little stronger? Can, can, we, can we find one more? Uh, could there be another bus route that needs to be started? Uh, the work. And then just, just wanting to have joy as, as, as we see those believers. Just, just the excitement of seeing those new people growing in the Lord. I, I think about these these brothers over here, mis amigos Latinos. Un día ellos reciben Cristo, ¿verdad? Está creciendo. They're growing. When I when I'm around them, I just see it in their face. <laughs> I just look at their face. I don't even have to say a word to them. It just it's just like it just flows over into me and just energizes me, you know? I get excited. Louisa, oh, what a, what a young Christian, face to face. Just to live foreseeing those Christians that we bring to the Lord Jesus Christ. What, what a great opportunity we have. What a wonderful uh, job the Lord has given all of us to share his gospel, to find the lost, to bring them to the good news of Jesus Christ, to teach them, disciple them, to take care of them, to have great joy in thinking of them.
Let's bow our heads as the pastor comes tonight. The pastor's coming.